So last night, uh, annual tradition out at the seminary is celebrated Little Oktoberfest. And part of that is seminarians always get a big bonfire going. And I remember when I did that 20 years ago, it was a pretty lame little thing, little fire pit in the ground. But over the years, it's literally grown to this conflagration. I mean, they get tree trunks and they line them up. So this thing was really going last night. And every year I have these nightmares in my head that they're going to burn down half the property. And what am I going to say? So little scenarios, you know. Yes, Chief, I take full responsibility. My name is Father John. Last name is spelled T-R-O-U-T. So <laughs> it's close enough to Libertyville. If they check, they'd probably buy it. But imagine you'd never seen a bonfire before. Imagine you saw one for the first time, and I'm not joking. They'd safe, they got the permit and all that, but it's still amazing. 20, 25 feet high, the flames are going. And if you'd never seen one of those before and you said, wow, I, I, I want to duplicate that, I want to do that again, and you ask the person who'd put it all together, they'd say, okay, well, I've got one set up for you here. Here's all the wood. So if you want to get that going, you start it like this, and he gives you a little match. He goes, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Goes, well, light it. And imagine if you've never seen it before, and you've got this tiny little flame, and you know what you want. You want that giant conflagration. And you're supposed to get that from this little match. What is it that you ask for, and how do you expect to get it? I mean, it's so simple in a way, as the gospel lays it out today. It's this blind man is coming to Jesus, and yes, Jesus works miracles, and we know he can heal a blind person, but if you try to put yourself back there for the first time, when you've never seen this before and you don't know who Jesus is and you don't know the rest of the story, an area is simply putting the question, what do you want? How would we answer that question? What's your answer to the question, what do you want? Because I'd like to suggest, at least speaking for myself, I could easily name various things that I want in my life. And I'm not talking about sort of silly, selfish things. I mean really significant, serious things for people that I love, for relationships, for situations in my life or the world. And to what degree do I honestly think, well, if I, if I bring that up before God, then somehow that desire is going to be met. I mean, I pray for things. I certainly have petitionary prayer. But what was this guy thinking when Jesus looked him in the eye? He may not have realized it. What do you want? And there he just lays it out. I'm mentioning all of this because in the history of Israel, there's a tradition for how God seems to answer our prayers. And I think if all we do is focus on the big miracle stories, it's easy to get maybe at best sidetracked and at worst even disappointed. And the word I want to key in on, it's just a little word in that first reading, but in the history of Israel, in the Bible, it's a very important word. It's just one word, but the word is remnant, right? Remnant. Just this little insignificant nothing. That's a word through the prophets that was often used to describe what was left of Israel after they'd suffered so much. And so that first reading, just to give a little backstory, Jeremiah the prophet, he's speaking to the Israelites, they're in exile, they've been defeated. 
Imagine Jesus looking any of them in the eye and saying, what do you want? The answer would be easy. We want our kingdom back. We want our king back. We want our dignity back. We want to rule ourselves. None of those are bad things. And what God promises them through the words, the mouth of the prophet, is this promise of a remnant. And what that basically meant was just a few people are going to come back, a small trickle. You're not going to get the kingdom in all its glory. You're not going to get how you would answer the question, what do you want? You're just going to get this little remnant. But that flame is not going to go out. Somehow there's enough there with which to reconstitute everything you ever wanted, but it's not going to look the way you thought it should look. And if you think about the history of Israel, that's how it goes. It's just this little people that refuse to give up. And it's just these little vestiges of hope here and there in one generation and the next that they're holding on to. And so that ultimately, when the great source of hope comes along, talk about a remnant. For us, right, it's so glorious and we know what the story's about. But for them, it's this kid in an insignificant family living in an insignificant part of the country. He dies like a criminal on the cross. It even takes a while after the resurrection before they begin to realize that there's something here for us that really we can use to bring answers to our prayers into our lives, but the kingdom never comes back the way they thought it would. Okay, so much for the Bible history lesson. What does that mean for us? I think it means that it's as true this day as it was all the way back then, that that concept of the remnant is still important. And I don't know about you, but when I am asking for an answer, Lord, this is what I want, this is what I'd like, I'm always imagining, I'm always imagining a perfect restoration. I'm always imagining that whatever was broken will be healed, just sort of by magically turning back the clock somehow. And it's so easy to overlook the remnants, the little things, the little signs of hope, those things in a relationship that refuse to completely be snuffed out. No, I want the relationship to look like it always did. I want to turn back the clock. I don't want to have to face the pain of whatever it was. For whatever reason, that word echoing from 3,000 years ago in the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah, don't overlook this small thing. Because a lot of times that's where hope has its deepest roots. However you would answer the question, what do you want me to do for you? And sometimes that means looking through clouds of shame or embarrassment or grief and saying, but wait a minute, I don't have to be defined by these things. There's still this I can hold on to. Yeah, I wish I hadn't done that and that, and I, I really, I'm really sorry about this. But there's still this thing that hasn't gone away that I still believe in, and I'm going to show up tomorrow. Each one of us uniquely has to fill that out for ourselves, but I think we know what it looks like. And so just a little encouragement, maybe as a spiritual exercise, as we're given this set of readings in this 30th week of ordinary time. It's natural to want the bonfire. How do I get there? But when someone hands you a little match and says, this is how it starts, it's easy to be overwhelmed or to say, that's never going to be me. Yeah, you got there. That's great. 
you've got that wonderful relationship, you've got that amazing family, you've got that incredible job, you didn't blow it the way that I did. I'm not trying to wade us all into the depths of depression here, but this side of heaven, every one of us has something, something that's in the way of our perfect relationship with the Lord. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering. It doesn't even have to be something that anyone else in our life would ever know about because we often keep those things hidden. But God doesn't want 70% or 80%. He wants us to receive 100% of what is being offered. But the irony of Christianity, and I can't tell you why it's this way, but all I can say is, for whatever reason, this is the way God chooses to act through these little remnants of hope. But I think at some level it does make sense because if you start with that little remnant of hope, then you really do have to trust. You really do have to show up with all your vulnerability, wearing it on your sleeve. There's no bravado. There's no false ego. There's no sense of, okay, God, you can help out, but I got this one covered. And so at least I think at some level it does make sense. So whatever that little remnant of hope is for you, just fan the flames of that hope this week and maybe make that your personal prayer. That was all, in quotes, God offered to the ancient Israelites. It was all he offered to the first century Palestinians. It's all he offers to us. But in that remnant is everything.